so welcome. Uh, you may have noticed I'm not Brandon, if you're expecting Brandon. Um, you can think of me as his slightly better looking brother if you want. Um, but so, so he's, uh, this, is his, this is his class, his quarter. Uh, he, he'll be your teacher, uh, but he couldn't be here tonight. So he, he had an out-of-town out of speaking engagement. So he, he called and asked me uh, if I could, could cover his class, and he was glad to do it. So I agreed to do that, and then, um, and then he told me what the topic was. So he said, <laughs> so the, the quarter's on the talk. It's like, what? <laughs> like, the talk? <laughs> like, yeah, the talk, right. So, but it's a great class, uh, and, and uh, you're in for a treat. Um, before we get into... Um, before before we get into uh, you know that that part of the class, so the first the first part of the class, the first month or so, is really about having spiritual conversations with your with your children. Uh, so that's a more comfortable area for me. <laughs> glad glad to teach more in that area. Uh, then towards the second half or the, or the later part of the class, get into how how do we talk to our kids about about sexual issues? Um, but re- really felt like you got to have a foundation. Um, on the spiritual side before we can really even get into that subject. So, so um, anyway, I'm not uh, I'm not going to jump on his material too much. So I kind of have my own material. It's kind of in that same same uh, area, um, and then we'll go with it, and that'll allow him to, to do his full class. Um, so I, I think it's the same class he did a few years ago. I'm thinking like five years ago, five or six years ago maybe. And I, I remember being in that. Very, very good class. You're in for in for a treat. Please please come back next week. I don't want him to uh, think I scared everybody off. Um, all right. Uh, a little little about me. I think I think most of you know me. Um, I, I don't know how knowledgeable I am in kind of parenting issues, but I think I make up for it in experience. Um, so I have have five kids. Three of them now in college. Um, two to be in high school this year. Um, a few months ago, I had five teenagers. I'm down to three teenagers now. Um, but a little, little farther down the road, I, m- I remember when I was younger, um, you know, I was willing to teach on pretty much any subject except parenting. It's like, don't ask me to teach on parenting. Uh, when I was younger, before I had kids, when my kids were young, uh, you know, don't, don't want to touch that subject. But I've been a little, a little farther down the road now. Um, again, I don't know that I have a ton of knowledge, but at least, at least have a little bit of experience now. Um, all right. Before we get too far, let, let's uh, let's start with a prayer, and then and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, dear Father, thank you for for all that you do for us. Thank you for allowing us to be here this evening and to uh, engage in, in a study of your word. Thank thank you for your word and and uh, how much it means to us and how it uh, how it uh, affects our life, teaches us how to live. And thank you for. Um, the information in your word that we can learn about how to uh, to teach our kids as well. Help us to to learn tonight and to to grow and to be effective effective parents that can um, in, impact the spiritual life of our children. Thank you for the blessings that we have through Christ. Uh, we we offer up this prayer in His name. Amen. All right. Like I said, I'm a little technically challenged. I, the slides ended up being from two days ago. I don't think I had too many changes. Um, but but we're going to go with those. Uh, so I'm going to start out with a with a question to you. Um, let let you think about, and we'll discuss it a little bit. But you know, what do you want most for your kids? You know, what's if if you had to if 
you had to put it as one thing, what's the most important thing? Uh, you know, there's a lot of things we a lot of things we want, but uh, if we had to boil it down, you know, what's that one thing we want want for our kids? Okay, go to heaven. Other other people have a kind of the same answer. Kind of a show of hands on that one. Yeah, a lot of people have that one. Somebody else have something a little different. Okay, glorify God. Anybody else kind of have that one? Or, I mean, they're all going to be good, right? There's no, there's no, there's, I'm not expecting any bad answers, right? Sorry. Yes. I was just saying, put God first every day. Okay, to put God first. Uh, any, any others? Anything a little, a little different? Figure they're all kind of going to be in that arena. Anything a little different on that? Okay, what, that or you don't want to speak up? Okay, that's that's always good. Okay, very good. Um, I can remember uh, a few years ago. Again, I think this this would have been before I had kids. I remember sitting in a class on a, on a Wednesday night. Uh, it was kind of a mixed mixed ages. So some of us and had kid, you know, some of the people in the class had kids. Some didn't. Some I think were empty nesters. Uh, and teacher basically asked the same question. You know, what's what's the one thing you would say you want most for your kids? And, and you know, hearing hearing the different answers was was kind of interesting. I think. I think the way I phrased it was I want them to have a relationship with God, you know, when I have kids. Um, I didn't have them at the time, but, you know, that was kind of my answer. And I um, want them to know God and have a relationship with him. Um, I remember I remember there's another a number of people in the class that said they wanted their kids to be happy. Um, and I was a little surprised by that answer. Uh, and, in fact, kind of went home thinking, Man, that's you know that's that's not really that spiritual of an answer. I'm kind of surprised uh, that there were that many people that said ultimately they wanted their kids to, to be happy. So I was kind of thinking, man, my answer was a lot more spiritual than than theirs, right? Uh, I was kind of puffed up about that, but really, as I've as I've matured, as I've grown older, um, I actually like that answer a lot. I think I think that's a great answer. Um, if if you love someone. Uh, you want them to be happy, and and ultimately we want them to experience eternal happiness. Um, if you know, if we love them, it's it's not the short-term, fleeting kind of happiness that we want for them, but really eternal joy, if you if you prefer that word. Um, and so kind of matured a lot, and I kind of think think along those lines a little more now than than uh, maybe I did back then. Um, all right, so where we're going, kind of going with the with the rest of this is uh, kind of, I don't know why I did this, but kind of did it like cooking. I, I'm not a cook at all, but anyway, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why I did this, but uh, so we kind of got some main ingredients that we're going to, we're going to talk about, um, some kind of some main points, and then uh, I've got some stuff that just kind of advice. I call it, I call it secret sauce. It's, it's not all, I mean, it's not all that, but uh, just kind of some tips. Just kind of some from my experience um, that maybe I can pass on and, and help. Um, all right, so 
The main thing I want to talk about to kind of get into the class is what are the things that our, that our kids need to know? What do we need to teach them? So this class is about talking to our kids first about spiritual things. So what, what, if we're going to talk about spiritual things, what are the things they need to know? So uh, I kind of got three, three main ingredients on that. I get, we'll call it ingredients. First is to know, to know God. They need to know God. Um, I, originally had, I originally had the title of this slide, to, to Know Who God Is. And I think I think that's part of it, but um, you know I ended up changing it to, to really knowing God. So they're not they're not quite the same, but um, it definitely starts with knowing who God is, and that's that's one of the things we definitely need to be spending time uh, te- teaching our kids. Um, and you know this is just some of the facts about God, some of the Bible stories. Um, it's it's uh, bring bringing them to church so that they hear those things. Hear those, hear those Bible stories, and learn, and begin to learn about who God is. Um, it's, it's spending time at home in, in Bible studies with them. Um, it's talking to them about, you know, Him as the Creator. And, you know, these, these kind of conversations can happen, can happen every, in, in your everyday life, and hope, hopefully they are. Um, but, but being able to talk about God as, as our Creator, um, being able to talk about His his character, an understanding of his character, know, knowing who he is from that standpoint, um, knowing knowing of him as a God of love, knowing of him uh, as a God of justice, knowing his holiness, knowing his power, um, knowing his mercy, uh, all these things are important. And again, these are things that we can teach our kids in er- in everyday life. It's it's not always just let's sit down and have a have a Bible story about. God's power. I mean that that's important. We we certainly should be doing those kinds of things. But um, you know these, these kind of conversations ought to, ought to come up in everyday life uh, as well. We ought to, we ought to have God on our lips regularly um, to be able to to talk about who He is. Um, but it's also beyond just just knowing who He is. It's I think it's also helping them to to know Him personally. Uh, to have to have a relationship with him, to know to know God, um, and you know things like spending time in, in prayer uh, with God, uh, acknowledging Him in our life, in our life, and the things that He does in our life, um, and kind of trying to trying to facilitate that. Thought, thoughts on any of that, kind of before before we hit the next. Um, one thing I mentioned is it's ought to be part of our everyday life. It, it shouldn't just be something we do on Sundays. Um, uh, incorporate incorporate God, like I said, incorporate God on your lips all the time. Um, and this may this may make us a little different from the world. Sometimes the world's uncomfortable talking about God, godly things, and, and that's okay. Be be different. Uh, be different from the from the world in that manner. Um, let's look at Deuteronomy 6. Great passage that that talks about. So this is a part of my two-day-old slides. I had a slide in here with a verse on it, but uh, we'll just we'll just read it. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we'll read verses 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. So what? So what's this passage telling us? Gonna have a little discussion. I know it's a big room, but I think it's too easy to make God and church a study and we stay thing. You know, it's one of these where we do need to be talking, no matter what we're doing. You know, all the time. You know, with our kids because you know that is the influence. You know, one of the biggest influences they get is from us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the, uh, it really should be something that uh, really just infuses your whole life. It's it's not uh, it's not you know just uh, you know bedtime stories for your children or or you know like you said not just you know when we all get together, but it's it's the way you live your life. You know, it's it's all the things that you do. You know, everything that you say should be filtered through this. And, uh, and you know, it says it shall be like a sign on your hand. That's not literal. That's saying that everything that you do with your hands should reinforce this. And everything that you think about and everything that you see should reinforce this. And that's really the, you know, the best way to, to show our children, not just, not just by talking about it, you know, occasionally or at bedtime or, you know, just taking them to, uh, to worship in Bible class but live it out in our entire lives. Yeah, excellent. Being a Christian is more than just the label. You know, people should be able to see Christ in us by, like you said, I don't know our lives, the things we say, how we treat each other, how we treat others. You know, I like to think as a father figure, my kids, who, who, how they view me should see God and experience You know, and that I am that worldly example of, of how I pattern my life after him by the things that I do and the things that I say they should see God in my life. I also like the command part of it. I always like that it dwells on command. It's a command for the parents that it's, it's, it's uh, not something you can opt out of. It's not a choice. It's, it's part of it and especially using the word diligently always stuck with me that you know it, it's it's a never-ending thing, and it's on you to do this and pass it on and keep that cycle going. Yeah. Diligent meaning implies there's some effort, right? You've got to put a little effort into it. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, there wasn't an app in mine where you It's awesome.
just kind of one of the ways, you know, just kind of thinking back to when my kids were younger, one of the, bedtime was obviously a big time, and, and this became a, you know, talking about spiritual things, kind of that bedtime was obviously an important time in particular. And, you know, I, remember, I remember great conversations with, with my kids um, at bedtime, and it seemed like especially my boys, and, and they were probably, probably manipulating me a little bit to get to stay up longer. Uh, but I knew that, and, and it, we kind of both knew that, so it kind of worked. So, uh, you know, they would start asking me spiritual-type questions near bedtime. And, uh, you know, I always, always loved that time. But um, like, like people mentioned, you know, not just, you know, not just bedtime, but all, all the time. You know, we can have, have those kind of conversations with them. Other thoughts? All right. Uh, so second, so second thing I guess we need to know is they need they need to know right and wrong. Uh, you know, we need and we need to be teaching them that. Um, you know how how to live righteously, how to live in accordance with with God's will. Um, that's so that's a that's going to be a huge part of our parenting, right? Uh, that that takes up this one's going to take up a lot of our time, just teaching teaching right and wrong. It seems like it's it's never ending, um, uh, but they they definitely need some instruction. And, but to me, it, this also kind of ties back to the last point, um, because if they know God, you know, then they develop a love to, to, to really to, to really know God. To, you develop a love for God, and and to really love God, you you want to please Him. Um, so that they're they're connected, um, and and I hope hopefully, you know, we're showing our kids that connection. Um, but but they do need a lot of instruction uh, in this area. Uh, talk, talking a little bit about how, kind of kind of dig into that. And, um, let's look at Romans twelve. Um, all right, so I do have this one on here. So. This is one of this is one of my favorite passages to kind of talk about this. Rom, Romans twelve one and two says, "Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and par- proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, the good, pleasing, and perfect will." Um, also put kind of an alternate translation. I don't I don't use some of these alternate translations very often in, in my Bible study, but kind of looking at this one, I thought verse two in this in this translation was had it worded pretty well. Um, so kind of put put that up there for reference as well. Let's kind of kind of dig into this in, into this passage a little bit. Uh, so the way the way I think of this verse and, and the way I kind of work this out in my mind. So imagine with me if God wants us to, um, if, if his will is pointing us in this direction. So if righteousness is down this path, the path straight ahead, this is the path that he wants us to go on. Um, and in order, to be, in order to be pleasing to him, I need to, I need to go down that path. But in, in my mind, I'm thinking that's, that's the way to a better life, right? So if I'm listening to the world, the world's telling me to go that direction. God's telling me to go this direction, right? Um, kind of see, uh, keep, 
keep explaining and kind of see where I'm going with this. So, you know, the world's telling me if you want to, if you really want to be fulfilled, you know, you need to seek your own good. You need to, um, you know, you, know you, you can be fulfilled through accumulating money uh, or accumulating power or in, in other ways, ser- serving yourself, whereas God is, God is telling me to go this way, okay? So if, if I love God and I want to please God, I'm trying to go this way. But in my mind, I'm thinking, this way is, this way is more fun or this way is better. This way is going to make me happier, but I'm going to try to please God, right? So what do I end up with? I end up with tension, a lot of tension, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking, this is a, this is a better way to live. This is the way that's going to be fulfilling, but I'm really trying hard to please God and go, and go in that direction, okay? So tension, right? Trying to go in two different directions. So to me, what this verse is saying is if we'll change the way we think, realign the way we think, and realize that the direction that God is, is wanting us to go is the most fulfilling. For, it's not just that it's pleasing to him, it is that, but it's also the most fulfilling for us. Okay? That's where I think, think about when, it, when we get to the end of this, end of this verse. It says, then, then you will be able to test and approve what, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And underline, underline pleasing there. I think he's talking about we'll realize that it's pleasing to us. We already know it's pleasing to him, but if we test it, if we really test it, we'll realize that the way that he wants us to go is, what's, is also what's best for us. It's also what's pleasing to us. Okay? Uh, and if we can realign the way that we think, we can reduce that tension. So if we really want to behave differently, if we want to act differently, if we want to act more godly, more righteously, uh, we need to change, to change the way we think and, and realize that the direction the world is, is telling us to go is, is not uh, the most fulfilling type of life. The direction that God wants, wants us to go is the most fulfilling type of life. Okay? All right, that makes sense? Hope, hopefully I explained that well. Thoughts, questions on that? So, so what we end up in this, what we end up with this, and this verse kind of states it. Um, this is from Psalms, and there's a there's a couple other from Psalms we could look at as well. Psalm Psalm 112, uh, verses one and two. It says, "Praise the Lord! How joyful are those who fear the Lord, and delight in obeying His commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed." I want to key in on on those words there, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and they delight in obeying His commands. I used to not think that way. As, as I've matured, I more and more think that way. Um, I used to think more like the world, right? Uh, if I wanted to be fulfilled, if I wanted to have joy in my life, um, you know, the, the world had a lot to offer. But I was going to try real hard to please God anyway. Now I think differently and I think, I think that's, you know, through maturing. Um, is you know I, I now recognize that that the direction that God wants me to go is is a fulf- is the fulfilling way to live. Okay. Um, you can also look at let's also look at Psalms one. I don't have it on on the slides, but if you want to turn over to Psalms one. 
kind of the same the same idea. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Okay, so so the one who delights in in God's law and God's ways is the one who's blessed, um, and the one who delights. You can also look at Psalm 19. Start in verse 7, Psalm 19, verse 7. says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the law are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the law is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the law is, um, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of a honeycomb. All right, hope. So, do we view do we view God's law in that way? Do we view God's uh, commandments uh, in that way as something that's a blessing to us, or, or do we view it as a burden? Uh, that, that's really what I'm trying to get at. Um, it, it's hard to live righteously if if we view His commandments as a burden to us, but when we see that they're a blessing to us. When we change our way of thinking and we align our way of thinking with Him, uh, it's much easier to live to live a righteous life. I think that's what these these passages are getting at. Thoughts on that? All right. So, how do we know His will? So. Um, and we're, and we're eventually going to get to how then we teach our children this, but kind of starting with us. How do, so how do we know his will? Um, look, at, look at passage in Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. It says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, to whom he, he also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So God has taught us about himself and about his will uh, in, in various ways throughout history. Um, he's taught it through uh, specifically prophets. Um, he's thought, taught it through the scriptures, and there's different kinds of scriptures, right? There's, there's um, proverbs within the scripture, scriptures that teach us wisdom. Um, there's God working in, in history that teaches us. We can see how he's worked, worked in history, uh, worked among his people. Um, we, we see him at times using commands, commands given to different people at different times uh, where he expresses his will. Uh, we, we especially see it in the giving of the law um, that, that he gave through Moses, an expression of, of his will. Um, uh, but kind of the point is there's, there's different ways that, that he's shown us, shown us his will. Let's talk a little bit specifically about the law. So the law, the law was really a, intended to be a blessing to the to the people of Israel. Um, 
uh, to that nation. It was it was um, not not given to all the people in the, in the world. It was only given to them, um, and was was intended to be a blessing. Um, it was also meant to teach to teach them righteousness. Uh, it was it was meant to help them to recognize sin, uh, to to convict people of their sinfulness, to in order to prepare them. Uh, for their need for a savior, to, to have an understanding of their need for a savior, um, it was also extremely valuable in teaching righteousness. And I would like to say it remains so, uh, even though we're not under the law, under under Moses' law, there's still a lot of value in it uh, for for understanding the righteousness of God and, and understanding His His character and His will for us. Uh, again, we're not under it, but we, we can still learn a lot from it. Uh, not only the law, but all the all the Old Testament scriptures, just an under, understanding His will. Um, but ultimately, how how do we know His will? And and the final, ultimate way is through Christ Himself. So, um, you know, He He used different techniques at different times, but ultimately, um, He He sent His Son as the, the complete expression of himself and of, that, of, and of his will. So uh, we look to Christ and his example. If we want to know, know God, we look to Christ. If we want to know how, how we should live our lives, we look to Christ, we look to his example. Uh, so he himself is our standard. Um, there's a couple times in, in, in the Bible, Ephesians and 1 Corinthians, where it actually refers to something called the law of Christ. And I think, I think that's what it's referring to. Um, the uh, the example of Christ. Uh, so we, so you could say we don't have a law now that was kind of writ, written on stone like they had, but we, now we have a law that's written in flesh and blood. All right, so that kind of takes us into kind of the now how do we connect that to, to teaching our children, right? Um, so just just as God has used lot, lots of different ways to teach us about His will. There's a, there's a lot of different tools that we can that we can use to teach teach our children uh, about God's will, um, and, and some of these are going to depend on how old they are, how how much understanding they have, how mature they are. Um, but there's different ways. Um, one of those to me, when they're young, um, you know, when they're when I would say when they're kind of really young, especially, you know, one of the first things they need to, to know is just obedience. Uh, and and your, uh, your authority, you know, they, you need to establish that, and they need to be able to understand that. Um, they need to understand no, you know, it's one of the first things you teach them, right? Um, and and understand, uh, you know, that they have to obey you in, in those things. Um, you may you may use rules. I don't know if you have a lot of family rules, uh, household rules. Um, the, these can have some value, but um, you know, I think it's. I think it's probably better to focus on principles over rules. Uh, but we we did have a few, uh, you know, kind of those family rules um, that that we used. Um, but you kind of got to be careful with those. Um, I remember so one in particular. We actually made a rule, um, and, and some of these just came out of being annoyed. Um, <laughs> you know, eventually your kids annoy you enough. That, okay, we're making a rule. Okay. Um, Remember, so we you know had five kids, and when we went somewhere, it was a van full, right? So we were on we were on top of each other, and uh, you know how the kids get when they're in a, in a tight space, and everybody's touching everybody, and nobody likes it. So 
if we'd go on a family vacation somewhere, a long trip, it was just constantly, stop, stop, stop. You know, everybody telling everybody else to stop, to stop something. So I made a rule. Stop is now a four-letter word. You may not use the word stop. <laughs> so they, they weren't allowed to say stop. So they would say, you know, it's like you can request that someone not do something, but you can't command them to stop. So didn't work out great, but... Um, so they would discontinue, discontinue, you know. <laughs> like, okay, there's a loophole, there's a loophole here. But <laughs> so so rule, rules can be effective in teaching right and wrong, but, you know, they kind of have some, maybe some limited use. Um, you know, just lessons and conversations. Again, like kind of we talked to before, having those ongoing conversations with them and, and lessons from everyday life, um, you know, teaching them. But ultimately, the thing that's going to have the most impact is your example. Um, just as God's ultimate way to teach us His will was by sending His Son as an example, the, the way that's going to be most effective in teaching your kids right and wrong is your example. Okay? Um, that's, that's the thing that's going to last. Um, that's the thing that they see every day. So... I think that's the thing that's that's the most important. All right, thoughts thoughts before I move on. Something yeah. I Yeah, so to me that's a that's a great example of you know understanding the difference between childishness, you know, making a mess is childishness, childishness, lying is a bigger deal, and, and understanding the difference between kind of training the heart, you know, I, I think it's a great example. Yes. Thankfully, hold themselves to a high standard, 
but because of that, they feel like they have to be perfect. And they should strive to be perfect, but they're not, sadly, they're not going to be perfect. And they need to understand that and be able to rebound. And so that's what I'm really working with in the person that are with my kids. fall back on God and you know and understand that He's there to catch you and carry you forward. Yeah, so to me that can be great opportunities to, to use that as an opportunity to teach grace and mercy. You know, that needs to be part of the mix, right? So we're kind of focusing on the discipline discipline of teaching our kids right and wrong, but we, you know we also need to be teaching them that message of mercy. Um, and, and grace and forgiveness and, and we're, we're not going to be perfect. Uh, it doesn't mean we, do, you know, we don't strive for it, but you know, n- knowing how to respond when we fail. Yeah. Good. Other thoughts? David, uh, you see um, how many children that are brought up in church all the way to college part of that is going back a couple slides. That's a problem. To to taking uh, the law of Christ, you know, seeking righteousness, not as a burden, helping them understand that that it is true in a better way. I think earlier that we can help them understand that there's a better chance we have of securing our children uh, down the road. That's easier said than done. Yeah, so I have so I have kind of one on the secret. I'll go ahead and preview one of the secret sauce items. It's it's to me it's patience. You know, to, patience has got to be a mix. So we, you know, we patience doesn't mean ignore. So if they're if they're um, you know if they're misbehaving, it doesn't mean we ignore it. We've got to teach, but we can't ex- we can't expect immediate results for, from our kids. We got to continue and be patient. You know, they may not respond. You know, to our teaching like we want. In fact, there's a good chance they're not. But if we persist, if we stick with it, eventually, eventually they get that message. So, to me, patience, you know, maybe, you know, kind of something where you know we just kind of have to rely on. Eventually, they'll get it. Yeah. Um, I can relate. Um, you know, my husband. We have five, and it, it seems like having to remember they're not cookie cutter children. That they are at all different ends of the spectrum. And I know this for Samuel will probably kill me even sharing this, but with him, I, and I still call him my wild child to this day, 15, but he was always that one child that would really test the patient. And it wasn't until figuring out what's more effective. For him, it was taking what's prized to him, taking those things away, that he finally 
okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chill out, I'm gonna do what I'm supposed to do, but yes, it's really rough when you have multiple children and they're just so different. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I can attest with five, they're, they're all different. You think, okay, somewhere along the line they're the same. Nope, they're all different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important when you make a mistake to say that it wasn't godly. And fess up to it. You know, and say, hey, I'm striving to be godly, but that wasn't godly. You know, and, and let them know the difference between, you know, what's godly and not. And hey, my attitude at that point in time wasn't as far from it. And let them know. Yeah, good. Absolutely. All right, I don't want to cut off the discussion, but we're probably getting close to time. You may not get the secret sauce. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the third, th- third thing that we need to teach them is we need to teach them the gospel. Okay, so we need to teach them to know God, and we need to teach them to know right and wrong. And we need to teach teach them the gospel. Okay, because uh, they don't get salvation through how they behave. Uh, it's important that they learn how to behave. It's important that they learn righteousness, but they're not going to get salvation that way. They're going to get salvation as a gift. Uh, so we need to teach them about Jesus Christ and what he's done uh, to provide salvation for us. Um, we need to teach them the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Um, and along with that, we need to be teaching them about mercy and grace. Uh, we kind of mentioned that earlier, but we need to... Take those opportunities in, in the midst of sometimes it's discipline, but sometimes we've got to know when, okay, when is the right time to, you know, show some mercy and show some grace because they need to understand, understand that as well. Uh, because ultimately, uh, understanding God's grace is going to be what saves them, okay? Um, all right, so we'll end there. I uh, had, had some other little nice little points, but uh, you have to catch me some other time and see if you can get some of those. But, All right, thanks for your attention, and like I said, Brandon will be here next week, and he's got a great quarter classes planned for you guys.